Welcome back to the Last Choice TV Reviews, where we go over the latest and greatest TV shows on whatever channel we decide we want to watch at that time. Right now we're at HBO, looking at the House of the Dragon. James, how are you doing today, James? I'm a little tired. It's a, a little, little, it's a little early. It's a new routine for us, but I think yeah. we'll get it down soon. Yeah, we're doing this in the morning. We're trying to get these episodes out earlier based off of our schedules. So we're not like five days after the episode and no one gives a crap about it anymore. So uh, we're going to try to be recording these on Monday mornings. It was a holiday weekend. So we're here on uh, Tuesday morning, uh, 9-6, trying to record this episode for... Um, episode three of Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. And this episode is, I can't even remember the name of this episode off the top of my head. The second of his name. Second of his name. That's what it was. There's a couple of names that were being getting thrown out there. I guess, um, HBO had a different name up when it first came into the the store i was reading that and possibly gave away i'm not going to say what the name was but i guess possibly gave away the name of a future episode that that's coming down the road which isn't going to be episode four it's like six or seven and people are speculating so that was kind of interesting um there so the second of his name and uh so we're just going to kind of start with James, what were your thoughts of this episode? How did you how did you think it did overall for the story? Uh, overall for the story, I think the episode was was fantastic. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, there's only one <clears throat> small, well, to me it was a major deal, but outside of the the way that it ended, and we can get into that a little bit later. Outside of that very small little part of it, I think the rest of the episode was was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, it just had this epic, almost like an epic feel to it. And I think you got a little bit of insight of the a lot of characters' thoughts. Yeah, I would I would have to agree with that. I think this was the episode that solidified the direction the characters were gonna go. You kind of had the what felt like a coming of age story. Uh, and in my opinion, for Rhaenyra, she is begins the episode in my mind uh, as a still acting like a, a stubborn little child. And then as you go through her arc of that episode, she kind of comes out as, OK, I've grown up through this episode and now I'm I'm, I'm ready to go and claim what's mine almost mm-hmm. kind of f- the feeling I got from her. And we'll get to like the specific parts of why I felt that way in the actual scenes, but that that's how I felt it was. And then I think the other character that took a very large arc in this episode are two other ones. I think Viserys 
solidifies his arc that we already guessed on to where he mm-hmm. just does not handle difficult questions or situations or anything well at all. Um, he, he is not fit to be a king when things are going wrong and questions himself through the entire episode. I think that's kind of his his arc there, and he solidifies that. And I think we have Damon who comes out on top being learning to be the king that he needs to be if he's going to claim what's rightfully his. So uh, in his mind and how he's going to lead his armies. And we kind of figure out at the end of the last episode that Coralus is asking him to fight with him with the, the, against the crab feeder. And it, Seems like he takes that and he runs with it. He's going to do that with him. So we start off this episode with the crab feeder again. We, you know, we go right into it. And, and this scene was very uh, visually stunning with all of the burning ships in the background. And we actually are seeing the crab feeder again, nailing more men to post. And we actually get his name. So we just had him as the crab feeder. He's Prince Drahar. Drahar is his name. And one of the sea snake soldiers um, basically is telling him they're coming for him. They're going to get him. And, you know, F off Prince Drahar. And it was kind of cool to see this again. And the crab feeder is just, you know, laying waste to people here. But we really don't uh, really don't understand why he's so powerful in this area. Exactly. I think we start yeah. to, we get that as we get farther in this episode on why this location is such a difficult location to defend or, or to attack. To attack. Where it's yeah. easy to defend. <clears throat> and he's got this super cool mask on. We got a better shot of the mask. And then what happens? Kind of at the end of this scene, James, what, 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 what comes through to help the sea snakes? Oh, you're talking about as, as Damien comes into play. Yeah. Yeah. He comes in heavy with a dragon. I mean, he is, he is front line. I mean, I granted he's on a dragon, but he is front lines with these guys. I mean, he is fighting, which will come into play in, into an argument a little bit later. Yeah, he's right there. He is on the front lines and he brings this dragon in. And I thought it was pure HBO. You have this guy that's like cheering Damon on the the guy that we have. He's going to get him. Save me, Damon. And what happens? His dragon steps right on him. I mean, it made me laugh. I was like, what does this guy think he's going to do? Damon's going to swoop down and get off and get his off dragon, dragon and save him. Like, and no, then come get this guy. No, he didn't and, even know he's there. And the dragon just steps right. I mean, that's pure HBO. Like this guy's like hoping he's going to get saved. The dragon's here. And yeah, the dragon just steps right on top of him and kills him. But at least it was a quick death and he wasn't going to get eaten by the crabs. But this also solidifies why this fight is so hard right now 
because the crab feeder has a advantage that we didn't know was there in their caves inside this cliffside where the stepstones are. And he also has the high ground with archers, with flaming arrows, which do some damage. I mean, well, Damon, I, mean, Damon, I mean, Damon takes one to the chest and it was enough to get the dragon to fly away where he couldn't get Drahar to come out of his cave. I mean, let's be honest. We've been taught for years that the high ground is very important. The high ground is important, uh, but you know, <clears throat> you would think with a dragon, you know, I, I, I always wondered because we've never really seen a lot of dragon fights. Even in Game of Thrones, most of the the war is, you know, medieval type open field yeah. lineup in battle where dragons just lay waste to everyone standing out in the field. Well, these guys kind of knew the dragons were probably going to come and took a place where they could go in these caves and just wait them out. The dragons can't go in there. They're too big. The fire can't reach deep into the cave. So they just retreat back in, wait for the dragon to leave. And come back out and keep going on with their business. Now, let me ask you something here, Ender, a, a question that you're, it's probably going to be a very obvious question, but this is the, the deal with what's going on here. This is a, this is a shipping lane. It's a shipping lane. Yes. I mean, because what's funny is that it makes you wonder why the, you know, the king and, and to their credit and the crown is like, well, do we really want to get involved? Like this crab feeder is not out trying to conquest. No, he's, he's just wants Literally to steal just money. He's a he's a pirate. He just wants gold and so, stuff. I understand why some people are hesitant to want to get involved. I can understand that, but with with how many ships he's taken out, and like you know, you kind of think of like today when a shipping lane. You know, remember when the uh, that ship got stuck in the shipping lane? How yeah. much it screwed everything up for everybody and getting food and, and just materials and things they needed. You have to think this is starting to happen to obviously the sea snake territory. That's why he's so worried. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I understand. I mean, God forbid they come up with a different route, but that's fine. Well, there may I not be holes in the show. <laughs> I mean, but there, there may not be. Think about it. Like before the Panama Canal, you only had one way to get around. You had to go all the way down to make a loop. Like there's not many shipping lanes when you have to go yeah. around so maybe this territories. Is a good point. Yeah. And, and if you think about it with all the maps you've seen of Westeros, there's kind of like two continents on both sides and, and, and the lanes are all in the middle. So there's yeah. not a lot, especially when it seems like the sea snakes homeland, I'm guessing is, is an island. You know, like most of their on they're on an island, so they have to bring things from the mainland to them, which is why it's such a big deal. Whereas Castle Rock and everything else is in Westeros. Yeah. So they're not really mm-hmm. worried about a shipping lane because they don't have to worry about it. Anyway, moving on. We make a time jump again. I mean, good lord, this show is not messing around. They so I they, looked this up. At this rate, we're gonna be we're gonna be up to current Game of Thrones timeline in about two seasons. Well, so I looked this up and I wanted to understand why we're getting so much timeline jumps. So okay. the book that this is based off of 
and I don't want to bring a lot of the book into this, but it was it was confusing me because Game of Thrones didn't do this, and I haven't no, they read drug the book, that shit out, and I haven't read the book. <laughs> so this book is based over two hundred years, and it is not a like coherent story. It's like a group of multiple stories over time. So that's why they're doing the jumps that they're doing is because the book actually does that type of jumping. Now, I don't know if it's the same amount of years that they do in between or anything like that, but that's how the book was written. It wasn't written as a coherent story over the next like year and a half. It was 200 years worth of time, which is also why I think we're going to lose some of the young actors, which we already know, which has already come out because of the amount of time jumps that they have to do in order to tell this story that George R. R. Martin wrote, which is a bunch of stories over time. Cause this is the fall, really the fall of house Targaryen over a 200 year period, which is takes us right up to the time frame that we know. So we're kind of like, I think we're going to span, maybe span that arc through however many seasons they want to do. Um, I don't think you'll get all 200 years in this first season. I hope not. I hope we don't make like a hundred year jump and every character yeah. different, but I, I don't know. It's, it's game of Thrones. You never know what they're going to do, but that was bothering me when I first watched this episode. I'm like, damn, like what the hell now we got to exactly. figure out what's going on, but they do a great job of catching you up. And since this is a time of prosperity, not a lot happens. So we get this scene and it's, um, uh, a party, a hunt. Like, I don't, I don't really know. They're getting ready to go on a hunt. They're getting ready to go on the hunt. Now, if you remember, this um, is the same type of hunt that was taking place when uh, King Baratheon yep. got killed by a boar. A boar. Yeah. <laughs> While he was drunk. Yeah, he was out drunk hunting yeah, boar. So it's the and... same type of hunt. Yeah. So um, we find out that we're two years in the or three years in the future. Now the king has a son, Aegon the Second. So he has um, impregnated Alicent, had a son, and she is very pregnant with the second child already. So it's like you know the king didn't take long to you know plant his seed and and get busy with with his new you know. 15 year old, I guess now 17 year old wife. Um, we find seven. And I, the reason I know 17 is because we find out that that's Rhaenyra's age at this time. Again, a th- another three year jump. So she's 17. So Alicent and her are the same age or close to. Um, so his name is Aegon. The second named and after for those that are <clears throat> for those that are following along, maybe you just started with House of the Dragon. It's significant because we already know in the Game of Thrones world that is Jon Snow. Jon Snow is what Aegon the sixth of his name, the seventh, something like that. Yeah, I don't remember He's, which he, one. But he, he, you'd find out at the very end of Game of Thrones. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't watched it, I'm sorry. We were going to spoil some things in Game of Thrones. There's, there's no um, way. But he was. He turns out to be an Aegon. So this is that line that you're seeing. Yeah, and then we have a interesting like back and forth between Otto Hightower and what I believe is his brother. I don't know this character's name. 
talking about how you know Aegon is only two years old already and the boy has a kingly presence and the only reason I bring this up I know it's not that important but Otto being like the asshole that Otto is comments back well he still eats porridge with his hands he, he's two like like what do you expect Otto like do you like what are you expecting out of this child? And it it really makes me feel like Alicent had a crappy childhood. And all of the stuff that he was doing beforehand, he has just planned on this for a long time. Like this guy does not like children whatsoever. When you're gonna like complain about a a child. That's of two eating with his hands. My my son's four and he still decides to eat with his hands when he wants to sometimes. Just especially spaghetti, just because he likes the way it feels in his hands. It, it just like this guy's just such an asshole and he just continues to make me hate him. Um so that scene just kind of goes on a little bit more. Uh the main part of that conversation was really about how he is now the firstborn son. And if the king is going to overturn his ruling for Rhaenyra to be heir. And, and I feel like that's the overarching theme here is the realm. The rest of the realm. The realm believes, believes that. that's going to happen. But no one really knows if... The king is going to do that because obviously he's not having these conversations with anybody because why would he? He's happy. You know, why am I going to have a conversation that is going to make me upset? And we step right into the next part of really the first time we meet a Lannister that we know the name of. It's Tyland, who I'm assuming is the line of succession of the Tylen that we know in Game of Thrones, Tylen Lannister, who is, uh, you know, the king of Casterly Rock at the time. So it's interesting that we meet this character and the Lannisters feel very different now than they, they, they do in Game of Thrones because it doesn't feel like they have the power that they have now because... The way he talks to him is just like, he's a peasant. I don't really care. So what, what is he warning him of, James? Like, what is, what is Tylen Lannister trying to warn him about? Uh, he's, he's talking about uh, the, the war and stuff that's going on. Yeah, so that's also <clears throat> where we really learn it's been three years. So they've been fighting this war for three years. And they're basically losing. They're losing. The resources are low. People are getting killed and, and he's sitting here telling him like, these guys aren't going to have food to eat. We're, 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 we're losing battles. This he, war is like their Vietnam. Pretty much. No, the, 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 the main, the main care, the main union didn't want to fight this war, but another group went off and said, no, we need, to. we need to. And they don't want to get involved yet. But I always thought it was unique of here's, this Lannister trying to get aid 
mainly because they're running out of food. They're running out of resources. The shipping lanes blocked. So they can't get anything to them. And from the last scene, you kind of saw that they were just letting ships sail in and shooting them with, with burning arrows and burning the ships down. Like there was nothing amazing about the crab feeders plan other than he just happened to be like, Hey, there's some high ground over there and some caves we can hide in. Let's shoot arrows and burn these ships and then run out and kill them. Like that's all the crab feeders really doing. And here's the King with this table of food. There's like three boars on this table, food everywhere. And no one's eating. Like that's the part that I thought was so interesting about this scene. You have all this food everywhere and nobody's eating. They're all just like standing around talking. And here's this guy like, please, please come help us. And the King's response is basically, it's been three years. It can wait three days. I don't really care. You talk about the food, but what I really like is that the King is super anxious, right? He's anxious the entire time throughout the scene. And every couple of minutes or seconds, he's like, where's his daughter? Where's Rhaenyra? Where's Rhaenyra? Also, he's the king, and he's walking around holding a plate like he's at a buffet line. <laughs> that is the, and he's throwing stuff on there like it, it. It is like the golden corral. Like I just went down to the golden corral, and here, I, but he's the only one eating. So I think everyone is literally waiting for him to eat first, and, and he's just so anxious here, and and he's happy with his son, and then he's like. Where in the seven hells is Renera might be? Does anyone know where where Renera's at? Like he cares more about that than he gives a crap about yeah. what anyone's trying to talk to him about. He's like, shut the hell up. So then we cut to Renera and she's in the God's Wood. And she has <laughs> this poor guy. She has just this um bard, I guess is yeah. the best way to say he has a bard playing him music. This is the uh Spotify of the day. So if you're if you're if you're lucky enough to have a bard, you get to have your uh, music played for you. And she keeps making him play this song about a dragon over and over and over again. Yeah, it made me feel like it was HBO's attempt to uh, make their own uh, toss a coin to your witcher. You know, that that is kind of now that you mentioned that, that is it is funny. And his name's Samwell. So we get another nod back to Game of Thrones. Um, for Samwell, Samwell Tolly. So um, they were not very unique with the names back then. Like everyone was named after somebody. So your name just went down the history line. <clears throat> the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. We're just going to name you after the next guy. Um, so she's here. She's making him, you know, play this song about a dragon over and over again. And the guy's like, you can tell he's been there a while because when she asked to play again, he like he's like massaging his hand because his hand's cramping up from playing. Mm-hmm. And Allison shows up um, as pregnant as can be like, man, they made her look pregnant. She is huge. So that next baby is about to pop. It's not like she's a little pregnant. She's way on. And this guy is stuck between an interesting situation, his princess and his queen who both rule him, who both rule him. But the part that made this weird and it clicked when I, when I, in this episode was like her best friend just became her stepmom. 
Yeah. Like, just to, like, formulize how awkward this situation is. So here comes her best friend slash stepmom telling her, you know, the king wants you here. He wants you in there. And she's like, nope, I don't want to. I'm not going. I'd rather stay here and just read my book and listen to my song over and over again. But then she kind of becomes the asshole little girl, in in my opinion. And I know she's angry. I understand the anger here, but it's not like Allison had a choice. She didn't have a choice in this whole situation. But she basically says, is this an order from my queen? Yes, it is. And she says, right away, closes her book and gets up like a snotty little brat. And she moves on because they want her to be part of this hunt that they're going on. And you move into just the carriage ride to the hunt. And you have a super awkward conversation between Renera and her father on how she will soon be pregnant with a child. Like, that's what her dad wants to talk to her about. Like, what part of this character makes you think that that is going to be a good conversation to have? Anything? Anything there makes this king think she's going to no, want to have I, this conversation? I, the only thing that makes me laugh about it is he doesn't want to have any hard conversations, but he'll talk about the hard conversation about trying to convince his daughter to get pregnant. Yeah, he has no problem saying, Renera, you're going to marry and you're going to get pregnant. Like, there's, no, I'm done with this. You're going to be pregnant. And I do think Renera's response is kind of funny. And I like her, like, wittiness and how quick she is with her responses. And she, he asked her to go on the hunt. She's like, I don't want to go on the hunt because boars squeal like children when they're being slaughtered. If she wants to solidify two things she doesn't want to do, one have children and the other one go on the hunt, she combined those two things together perfectly. Yeah. And I feel bad for Allison, who's sitting here listening to this whole thing of like, Rhaenyra, you're you're saying my son squeals like a boar? And she basically just says this about her brother right there. Um... So then we move on and we get this cool uh, scene setting shot. You see, uh, I think you can see like, I don't know if it's Dragonstone in the background or is it Castle Rock that we can see? I'm not sure. So there's a definitely a castle in the background and in the foreground, you get this giant tent city that they decided to build for this hunt. And I am telling you that King's tent is the largest tent ever made in mankind. This thing is housing like 45 people inside of this tent. It is unreal. And the other question I have, and this is like a a Game of Thrones thing that happens all the time. How does Otto get to all these places so fast? Because he was standing next to the king, and then he's... There before the king. This is one of those teleportation things in Game of Thrones, right? I think that he clearly has ridden out before. But this dude might be playing with some dark magic. Like, we've seen magic in Game of Thrones stuff. I don't know, man. But he is always ahead of all the other characters or right there behind them. When you're just like, how how in the hell did he get there? Yeah, he had obviously rode out first. 
But here's this giant celebration that they're having for this child's second name day. And Rhaenyra basically just says, you know, they're not here for me. Why would I be happy here? That This isn't for me. This is for your new child. And we get into the tent. There's just people everywhere. And all of the women are basically sitting around talking about gossip. It's just like, this is the, this is the Queens or princesses or whatever you want to call it. Gossip round table. We get a little, get a little bit. And one guy comes in and has to sit down and listen to all the gossip because he's like the, the, the gods didn't make me for the hunt because he's got a you know messed up leg. So this poor guy's got to sit here and listen to all this stuff. And, uh, I'll kind of let you take this one, James. What what are they talking about here? Like, what what what's the conversation that's being had in the uh, Real Housewives uh, just, of Westeros? They're they're running their mouth about Damon and how he's he's ruining the realm. He's fighting this war, blah blah blah. So uh, Rhaenyra comes in and they're basically like, "Well, you tell us about Damon." She's she basically says, "I haven't talked to him and." a couple of years. So you assume almost what three years at this point, like she, I assume from her remarks, she basically hasn't spoken to Damon since she went and got the egg. Yeah. That's would be my, assumption, that would be my is that the last time she saw Damon was when she flew in and, they and asked, then they, they, they do. I, one thing I thought it was interesting and, and poor Allison, because that these women start running their mouth about how he should, um, you supplant, you know, they're saying, well, you supplanted him as heir. Of course, he's not talking to you. And Allison basically speaks up immediately as the queen, mind you, to all these women. This is the queen speaking. She says, well, Rhaenyra was more suited to the throne than Damon. So it's yes. like, I mean, gee, come on, Rhaenyra, give this girl, give this girl a, a, a crack at least. I mean, she's she's yeah, the I queen. It, she has the firstborn son, and she literally just spoke in front of all these women that you should still be heir, basically. Yeah, and and it's again, I get where Renera's frustration comes in, and I feel like she's taking her father's frustration out on Alicent when we all know Alicent had no choice. There, there was no choice in this matter for her, and. Obviously, the king's going to do what the king wants to do, gets her pregnant. She can't choose whether it's going to be a boy or a girl. It just happens. So she's trying to defend her best friend as the queen and continue to line all of this up. And Rhaenyra does make the statement of the crown's not at war. And this new character we get a much Lady older Redwine. Lady Redwine basically says... And she's got this ugly pug on her lap. I don't know why anybody ever has pugs. So I'm sorry. If you have a pug out there, they're ugly dogs. You shouldn't have them. <laughs> um, I just don't like pugs. Sorry. And I don't disagree with her here. The, the, the king is at war because of what Damon did. When Damon and the sea snake decided to go out there and fight, they're bringing the king into this. There's really no way that they're, he's not going to have to get involved, obviously, with how bad it's going. So somewhere that they're going to have to get involved, but, you know, the king can wait three more days. And Rhaenyra, just like she always does, has a 
A great oh, comment, amazing. and I'll, I'll give you this one because I took the last one. <laughs> so, you know, this this Lady Red Wine is, is basically saying your uncle and the Sea Snake have drug us into this war, and they're not serving the realm. And Rainier looks right at her and says, and how have you served the realm of late Lady Redwine by eating cake? And the, they cut to her pug eating the cake off her plate. <laughs> and this lady is just so shut down. They get and Rainier little, just leaves. And she just leaves. She just a mic dropped it was, left. Yeah, it was the mic drop moment of, of this era. And then sure. the best part is they kind of cut over to Allison a little bit. And she's kind of got this smirk on it. Like, yeah, that's my girl. Yeah. Like, like I couldn't do it as the queen, but thank you, Rhaenyra, for saying what I wanted to say. It was almost one of those moments where you know she still she's still always thinking about the realm, and Rhaenyra hasn't lost her fire. Yeah. So she drops the mic and walks out, and then we meet another Lannister. Uh, we meet a Jason Lannister character who. Basically does the worst attempt at trying to court someone that I've seen in Game of Thrones. Like this guy is an arrogant asshole, like douchebag, exactly what I expect a Lannister to be, um, rolls up on her and is like, you know, I'm Lord Jason Lannister and Rhaenyra's first comment I love is like, I gathered that from all of the lions on his because he's got his armor on or his chest plate on and it's the lions of casterly rock and and here's this guy and i'm not gonna go into too much detail and, and now here he's the he's the twin brother of the lannister that spoke at the beginning of this episode correct he's the twin brother of the other lannister that is really worried about the and and, and these twins couldn't be farther apart the the one lannister tyland is worried about you know the war the other one is is worried about drinking the best wine from Lannister, and he keeps and he keeps doing that. The best things are Castle Rock. The best things are here. And then finally, he drops the and we have enough space to create a dragon pit. And and, and Rhaenyra kind of looks at him like, why why would you need a dragon pit? Why would you need to build one? And and that's when he's like, Well, you know, because you're gonna be my lady wife. And she's like, yeah, thank you for the wine. I'm moving on. I mean, she almost laughs at his face. She, and, and she does. I mean, she basically does. And Rhaenyra is now pissed because what's happening behind her back that she didn't really realize was going on is her dad is pulling an auto and trying to pimp her out to any any lord that wants her he, she feels and she barges right back in to the the main tent and they have a very heated exchange in the middle of this huge tent of people with all these dignitary there with all the lords and everything around them and it just keeps exploding and exploding and then i i kind of this is the first time where Viserys has shown like real anger towards Rhaenyra where he goes off and, and, and I don't know if he, and I, I'm, I'm kind of struggling here and I don't know if he's upset about the decision that he had to make with Alicent still, 
because he's like, even I am not above the gods and the way of man. Like that may not be the exact line, but that's basically what he says. Like, I'm not above tradition. Neither are you. I had to remarry. You have to as well. It's what is expected of us. And that's like the most kingly thing he said. You know, this, this is a hard conversation, but it's only with his daughter. And then Otto jumps in as this, like, one of the few times where I'm like, uh, yeah, g- good job, Otto. Like, this was a good time yeah. for you to jump in because this is not what you want to be happening right here in the middle of this tent. It was just, it continued to escalate. Like, the two of them, for it, they basically got to a point they did not have any social awareness. That no, there were still people by them. And, and the sad part is, is like, this is like me and my daughter. It, it gave me that like vibe of, and not this heated, but where you're like in the middle of a store and like, it's like, I want this toy. No, I don't. You're not getting that toy. No, I want the toy. And you're just like, you forget everyone else. You, you do, you have blinders on and you forget the rest of the world is around you. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, yeah, I probably look like an asshole right now, but every parent has mm. been there. I don't really care. Like, if you've had a child, no matter what, even if you're the king, your child is going to drive you crazy. Because at the end yep. of the day, I truly believe Viserys wants the best for Renera. It is his daughter, and he does love her. If there's anything there, he does love her, but he just doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to make decisions and, and feel confident behind them. Yeah. That, oh, timer went off. That pisses <laughs> Rhaenyra off, and she barges out, puts her riding gloves on, and steals somebody's horse. Maybe it's her horse. I don't know. She came in the carriage, so she steals somebody's horse and rides off, and luckily... Sir Christian Cole is out there who we have now found out kind of through this has become her personal guard over the course of time for these three years and chase and chases her down. And I mean, she is gone, gone. This girl is flying. She can ride and he chases her down and they kind of ended a river and like, I'm kind of glad he stopped her because she was going right into that water. Like she was not, she had blinders on and was not paying attention from just pure anger Mm -hmm. and kind of confides in him what is going on on how she feels he his her father is just trying to sell her off to Jason Lannister and she was the named heir and, you know, she's just very upset because she's not she's not really being treated like an heir. Like you're just going to pawn me off like the next queen to a Lannister she she feels like like she doesn't have any power no and which which leads into this as they're as they're guy you know they're walking their horses this conversation I thought was really interesting yeah when they're walking horses and I do like Sir Christian Cole's response to her about Jason Lannister he's like you want me to kill him yeah (laughs) for a second there i wasn't sure if he was serious or not but then you see her kind of like smirk and smile and you know kind of laugh and that that kind of solidifies their relationship where he starts to have a conversation we get in the conversation uh when they're walking their horses of how he feels he owes everything to her 
Yeah. At this point, it's the highest honor. She acts like she doesn't have any power. Uh, she can't make any decisions. She's just there to further the lineage, and and she probably won't be heir because now he has a son. And then, like you said, Kristen Cole talks back to her and says, "You know, before this, no one was there." And he, you know, he remembers when she had all the power in the world because she put him in the position that he he's in. And yeah. if it wasn't for her, he wouldn't be there. Yeah, Renera. So she clearly does have more power than she thinks she has. Renera says, and I think the word she used was she was toothless. Yes. And and he's like, well, I don't feel like you're very toothless because on that day you gave me everything. You were able to make that decision, and it's a very sweet conversation that they have, and. You can tell over the course of these three years, they've become friends and you would think they would have to. Um, but I get, that's not really the case here. Like it's your guard. It doesn't necessarily have to be your friend, but Sir Christian Cole really does have this faith and desire to please because she gave him everything and he is truly 100% uh, her guard and her guardian um, kind of like Brianna of Tarth kind of feeling there of like yeah. you gave me everything and I'm going to serve no matter what you ask me to do I'm going to do it no questions asked because you gave yeah. me everything and I kind of got her feeling from his character um, because that's where it was and then we move on to the hunt scene so the king's riding his horse out and I love the guy that has to carry the step stool for the king. Like he can't get off his own horse. <laughs> and I'm like, I- I'm wondering if that's a thing for kings that they get off their horse on the step stool, or if it's just Viserys can't get on and off of a horse, so he needs a step stool. I don't know which one it is, but if I was a king, I would like not want people to see me using a step stool unless I was super old. And maybe I'm underestimating his age here. Um, But he also has all of those, you know, his fingers was necrotic. He's got the back lesion. So we know he's also sick at the same time. So maybe that has something to do with it. Why he needs this step stool to get on. I don't think he's necessarily, I don't think he's necessarily sick. Is it, it, that the back lesion and the finger were just representing the fact, um, that the throne is punishing him because remember that was the whole thing with George R. R. Martin. The throne was supposed to be punishing you like anything that it does to you. It's because you deserve it. And that's why it was so difficult. Um, which could lead to why they say later on when non Targaryens took the iron throne, that they removed some of the swords. That's true. That is true. Um, so here they're saying they they have spotted a a white heart, and we we come to find out that this is some form of stag like creature, and the white heart is supposed to be a a mythical kind of creature because it's an all white stag. That not many people have seen, but since it's on his son's name day, it must be the gods shining down on them. And I, I really feel here, they say he's upwards of 35 stones. This is just a giant white heart stag. Yeah, it's royalty gonna, of the land. The royalty of the land that they're going to go kill. 
Because that makes a lot of sense in Westeros. They're basically saying that by killing the Whiteheart, they're solidifying the fact that this is on Aegon's name day, so this should be the the like gods pointing to you that he should be heir. Well, for everybody a, but the king. In a roundabout way, that's what they're trying yeah. to allude to. And the king is kind of, I think this, this moment here is, I think, what sends the king into his future stupor that we'll find out is because the fact, we, we know for a fact that this king is very much into the mythology and the lore and the gods and from the dream that he had and the way he believes that it's all, you know, the gods are going to tell him what to do. He's not going to make decisions. And if the gods are showing up with this white stag or white heart on my son's second name day, while we're having all of this in my mind, it almost feels like he's toiling with, did I make the right decision on whether or not to name Renera heir, and did I misinterpret something? And we kind of get more in depth in that in future scenes of where he's going. But I think this is what sends him in to his stupor. We move on to the nighttime, and the king is just drinking like crazy. Like this dude is is drinking all kinds, and Jason Lannister. You know, tries to play this this suave character, has this uh, spear forged for the king for the kill, and he's here talking back and forth, but he makes one mistake when he's talking about this and kind of alludes to the fact that he's going to make Aegon his heir and that the whole realm knows he's going to make Aegon the heir, you know. I had assumed it, it was your firstborn son. You're going to name him. The king did not take this well at all. Mm-hmm. And he basically asked him, I love the question he asked him. He's like, when will I be doing this? Tell, tell me, Mr. Jason Lannister, you seem to know all. When, 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 when am I going to be naming my son here. Like I named Rhaenyra. Did I make a mistake on doing that? Like how in the world, who else is talking about this? Yeah. What mutiny are you start? Like the King is not happy. So that moves on and that kind of just throws him into this drunken world that he just keeps drinking, keeps drinking. And he's, Otto comes up and Otto, you know, being Otto is at the perfect time, comes up and talks to the king and he's just like, I'm sick of being surrounded by these pot licking politicians. And I just love like, is pot licking like the term? Yeah. Like, is that the, is that a bad term? <clears throat> so he's still politicking. No, he said pot licking politicking. Like that was the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then his next, th- but Otto makes an interesting, like, thing on who Rhaenyra should marry. Oh, God. Who does Otto think that Rhaenyra should marry? This guy is unrelentless. I was dying laughing because I was like, oh, Ender probably spit his his drink out watching this scene. Uh, He literally looks at the king and says, well, clearly, you know, you should have her marry... Aegon, her brother. 
It, it, it solves your problem. We know incest is a thing. Um, he just look. The king looks at him like he's got ten heads. Oh, he's like, "What's wrong with you?" The, the king. I am so glad the king didn't take this as like a serious thing. But this this ends up showing you how bad Otto's advice can be sometimes. Well, to me, it's Otto again. He's he's trying to play the game. If he can, if they can marry, it guarantees his son will be there, the de facto king or whatever they call him, um, and which is his grandson. He's trying. He's doing desperately trying to get his line like permanently instilled into the throne. Yeah, I mean, he because is if, like, because if Rhaenyra takes over and the, and he's not a, and Aegon's not a part of it, his line dies. That's true. As far on that, that high true. end, yeah, it does. So I'm not sure what this character's name is, and he's on the High Council. And he comes in and basically the king's like, great, here's another one going to tell me what I'm supposed to do. But he seems to be Well, they they have a little banter with the daughter first. And and he's basically giving him an update saying, hey, Kristen Cole went after your daughter. We have other people looking. So the hope is they're together. Um, Don't worry, you're great. He's basically like trying to calm down the king. Like, don't worry, we have people out there. They will find her. Calm down. And then the king, I love it because he's like, if I would have forbade her to to marry a Lannister, she would have run off with a Lannister. Exactly. Exactly. That classic father daughter banter. And then then this this uh, guy reminds reminds the king that uh, you know the king before him was a great king, and his his only downfall was his own daughters drove him to madness. Drove him to madness. And he says, so it's tradition. It's tradition. It's tradition. And, And at the end of the day, it is tradition for. Your kids to drive you insane because you're trying to do the best for them, and but then he but then he does sneak in that what you were alluding to. Yeah, he does, would you like to hear my opinion? At least yeah. he asked. I will say he didn't just offer it. He asked to speak openly. He does. He does. He asked to speak openly, and and his advice is the same advice he gave him three years ago. When it was him marrying mm-hmm. Liana, he's like, now you should have um, Rhaenyra marry Lenore, I think is his name. Yeah, Lenore, the son of the sea snake. The son of the sea snake that is currently fighting. You know, he's out there fighting mm-hmm. um, the crab feeder. And I think the king does take this advice well because he kind of gets up and pats him on the shoulder and it's kind of one of those like embraces of like at least i have you around to give me some sound advice after Otto just told me i needed to marry my kids together well it was the first person uh once again to give him advice that wasn't self-serving because no he wasn't the king assumed he would talk about his own son who's like the strongest knight in the realm and and he says well thank you very much your grace but no that's not what i'm that does not help the realm get more power. No, and and this and, and and again, this character reminds me of the bald character in Game of Thrones. I can't think of his name. Uh, the one with all the little birds who truly just cares about the realm being at its best and gives the advice for the realm and is not self-serving. Um, I can't remember his name. I'm gonna have to pull up a list of the characters, but it's another homage to that kind of setup where we have all the self-serving people. Then we have the ones that are grateful for being pulled into uh, some form of royalty that they wouldn't have had before. And then we have the other group that's just looking on, looking in from the outside of like, 
how do I influence these people that are crazy to actually make some good choices and, and not destroy everything that we have? Um, so we move on to uh, the outside scene. So Princess Rhaenyra did not take Christian's Cole, Cole's advice on going back. <clears throat> she is outside. They made a fire and they're sitting outside around this fire. And he continues to just ask her, like, can we please go back? Like, I really don't want to be sitting out here in these woods. Uh, I, I want to go back to my nice warm tent. You you brought me into this to where I don't have to sleep in the woods anymore. Like, come on, Rhaenyra. Um, so she asks him a very interesting question on, does he think the realm will ever accept her as their queen? And Sir Christian Cole has a look on his face. Like he doesn't really want to give her the real answer. And he doesn't, I don't think he truly feels that they will, but his answer is, They'll have no choice but to princess. Even though he looks very distraught with with needing to answer this question, because I think in his heart, he doesn't believe they will. And I think he even believes her dad is going to name the firstborn son heir. Yeah. And that's the feeling that I got of like, I have to answer this because you're my princess. So I'm going to give you. Well, they have to. Because you're the heir right now. And unless that changes, he's not wrong. Then we kind of, the horses kind of get spooked. What, why, why are the horses spooked? What's happening here? Like Christian well, Cole they hear is something. Up. Yeah, they hear something out in the woods. And of course, Cole grabs his sword, stands up. And what, what made me laugh, I was like, man, I was just starting to like this character. And now some like, villainous person's gonna come in because i was like they they had already panned the shot that his armor was on the ground so he's up with the sword he has no armor and i was like oh here we go here's like here here's an immediate death yeah and they, they really did a good job kind of like making you uncertain of what's to come and then I out totally, of the woods totally thought we were getting our first death here yeah totally thought we were and then out of the woods comes this boar, which made me laugh because it just chucks Sir Kristen Cole. Again, oh. another throwback to the Baratheon hunt, right? Because the yeah. boar came into play there. And, but boars and immediately, are dangerous, man. Boars are yeah. dangerous. People and need to understand that. it immediately goes over to Rhaenyra, and it's literally trying to gouge her face apart. Yeah, it's like trying you know, to you eat see her. This, you see this sword come right through his head. And, and I mean, millimeters away... From, from her head like he he aimed that perfectly <laughs> to not go through her head and then Renera rolls over and she goes to town on this thing well she she everyone thought they were safe and all of a sudden this boar like had a second coming to life he does he pops up and he keeps going and she just pulls out her knife and it's her dagger her dagger it feels like she let out all the anger that she has had this this whole three years because she stabs this thing like 15 times. Yeah. I mean, she goes out and she's covered in blood. <clears throat> Her face is covered. And it was a, a very graphic moment. And the first time we've seen Rhaenyra act in violence and not witty banter. 
which obviously she had to here because a boar was on top of her trying to like eat her alive. But proving that she has the the guts to kill. Yeah, she didn't yeah. wait for Sir Christian Cole <laughs> to come back and stab it again. She took it in her own hands and 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 wrecked this thing and and put it down after he's I'm still shocked that it got back up because he did stick the sword right through its head. So yeah. it was kind of interesting that this boar had a second uh, wind after that. So she's covered in blood. And we cut to the next scene with the king. The king's drunk as hell, standing in front of this giant bonfire that they started. Um, and Allison comes over and is basically trying to comfort her husband. You know, at the end of the day, she's trying to give him comfort and alluding to what I was saying earlier, the king goes into this long monologue about how he there's been dragon riders and there's been all different things. And he always wanted to be a dreamer. And that was his thing. He wanted to be a dreamer. He didn't necessarily want to be a dragon rider. And he's wondering if the dream he saw so vivid in the flames of a male heir being born, wearing the helm of um, the conqueror's crown, you know, the, our, uh, Aegon the first before him, if it was true, if he didn't wait long enough, because now he has a male heir mm. and he's trying to see the vision again. And he wants this vision to come back to him and maybe, you know, to see it on Renera's head or to see it on the new baby's head or something. And he basically says his obsession with this dream killed Renera's mother. This is the first time he's admitted that he, you know, pushed her so far to have so many children that one of the children finally killed her. And that he never thought he was going to remarry. He never thought he was going to have a son. And now that he does, he doesn't know if he's made the right decisions. And he doesn't know if naming Renera Air was just him jumping the gun or not. But again, Allison says she was the right choice. She does. This is another point where Allison is defending her friend. Moving on from that. We probably have the worst scene of this entire episode, in my opinion. Um, this really isn't how hunting's supposed to be done. Well, it shows how this king is weak again, in my opinion. It does. He's, it does. he's so weak, he can't hunt. He's, he's got to have this, this stag like held down because he, he doesn't have it in him. And, and I think he's very compassionate. He almost has this look on his face like he doesn't want... It's almost like... I I half expected him to walk over and cut this thing free. Uh, especially so did because I. It, it, I it wish turns that's out what had it, have happened. Especially because it turns out it's not the White Heart. No. And these these kings, the you know all these these knights and stuff. Are Otto says it's not the White Heart, but it's a it's a very large. Yeah, it's like thirty five so stones. It's very mm-hmm. large. It's not you the White still Heart. Still be blessed. But I almost but, I feel like there's two things going on here. I'm sorry. Did I cut you off? Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. ahead. I feel like there's two things going on in this one. 
I don't believe the king wants to kill it. Um, and that is shown where they like tell him where to stab it and he misses the first time. Well, and, he's using his makeshift dumbass weapon with yeah, the pom-pom on the, the end of yeah, it. From the so Lannister. the one that the Lannister gives him to kill it and end it. So he misses the first time and then his king guard has to come over and like tell him where to actually kill this animal so it doesn't suffer. But now, now it's suffering. So I don't think he wanted to kill the animal. But the other side is... I think there's a sigh of relief here for the king because it's not the white heart. And I think it makes him feel like after he kills it, he kind of just like lays on the spear and just kind of closes his eyes for a second and just sits there. Mm-hmm. And I think he, he, it solidifies to him that Rhaenyra might've been the right choice. Because Especially this, when all these guys were using the white. I mean, they kind of hurt themselves with their own storytelling. Like, yep. if you're like, I, here's what I would imagine back then. All these guys saying, well, it's the white heart. So it's the white heart. Because it's the white heart, obviously you're making the right, like he's going to be the heir. At what point does someone look at these hunt, hunters or, that are tracking this thing going, no, this isn't the white heart. Go get the white heart, then call the king. Yeah, like, I, mean, I was very like, what much, happened? They just gave up. Very, yeah, I think they're they like, very, fuck it. Well, these guys are <laughs> like, we've been, we've been out here for a long time. Like, <laughs> we got three days to find one of these things. So I do think there's a relief to him on since it's not the White Heart and he's only seen this dream once. Then his firstborn son or secondborn son. Well, actually, no, I'm sorry. The firstborn son was a stillbirth that we saw the death. Um, killed his wife, and it kind of solidifies his choice in Rhaenyra. So we cut back out to Rhaenyra and Christian Cole right after this. And we again, we have this amazing scene where you can see just all these beautiful Kingswood, and then you can see like the camp. How many trees did they destroy to make this camp in the middle of the Kingswood? Like, I'm hoping they're using the same spot for every hunt and they're not doing this every time. But you can see how far off they really are. Like, they are not close to the uh, the camp. And we've had all this talk about a Whiteheart We kind of get this slow panning and they're panning in on the blood inside of Renea's hair you see Sir Christian Cole and then you see this giant majestic white heart just kind of walk up to them <clears throat> just walks right up to just them just walks staring. right up to him staring right at them and Rhaenyra and it's standing very proud and have you seen the latest Fantastic Beasts the yeah. This reminded me of that movie with the the animals. Yep. I can't remember the name of the animal, but like it it is so pure of heart that they let this animal decide who is going to be our next leader. And and the whole story between the 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 secrets of Dumbledore movie there is like, you know, they're they're he's not Dumbledore, but uh Grindelwald is trying to make this uh, animal pick him by corrupting it 
and creating yeah. a, you know, another one. This is kind of the feel I got there of like this majestic animal is walking up to Rhaenyra. And the only one else here to see this is Sir Christian Cole. And it's standing there looking at her and she tells him, put your sword away. Yeah, he started to pull out you know, his sword. He's trying to defend her, which is his duty. And she tells him, put the sword away because this is this creature's not here to harm me. It's literally here almost telling her you're the one. I believe in you. I, I sought you out to come let you know this. And you, you kind of just, this is that moment where I said in the beginning where I feel like Rhaenyra now feels like it's hers. Yeah. Something <clears throat> out of her control just happened that they believe in. And the white heart came to her, not to the king and her brother or anything else. It, it sought her out. So cool scene here. I really liked it. Um, but my next favorite scene of the entire episode is the one that that's here. So the badass walks through. You got them dragging this boar behind them through the middle of this town. Everybody watching. And... And she's covered in blood, so they know that she Covered in blood was- still. She, they know she fought this thing. The Lannisters are sitting outside, and there's the king, Alicent, Otto, you know, his other dude that we really need to figure out the name of because I can't remember him on the king's court. There's uh, only, the, like, one group of guys that, like, they're like, yeah, she's yeah, a badass. The she commoners. Everyone the, else looks like their mouth is on And is they're on just the like... What the hell are we seeing? And she walks in head up like the badass that she is. And like, yeah, I, I took this thing down. I'm your next queen. I'm not afraid of what's out there like my father. She I'm walks not right go- by the king and, and, and the then, queen and her, her brother and just stares. I at loved the face that Jason Lannister <laughs> makes of like, ugh. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want anything to do with this girl anymore. Like, this is not no, what I was signing him on. Alive. And like, she, and, and she just stares her father down. No words, just stares her father down. And then Christian Cole's walking right behind her. And she just walks right into the tent. Like, I own this place. This is mine. So we return back to Castle Rock after that. And we get a scene... With, you know, good old Otto and uh, Alicent. He walks into the queen's chambers now. His daughter outranks her, you know, so he has to come in and ask to talk to to his daughter at this point. And he basically, you know, long story short here is telling Alicent that she needs to persuade the king into naming her son the heir. He's like, I need your help in doing this. It needs to happen. Allison doesn't want to. She, 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 really, she really doesn't want to. So I'm, I'm interested to see if she, now that she outranks her father, she's more powerful than her father. Is Allison going to just still listen to what her father tells her to do? Or is she going to get a mind of her own? And I, and I don't know. I mean, I do, I do, going back to some of the stuff in the way that the realm is, I do think this was a fairly honest conversation. Now, I understand 
the grandson of Otto becoming king, uh, becoming the heir, is very self-serving, but he does have a very honest conversation. Uh, Allison says Rhaenyra will be a good queen, and he literally says it wouldn't matter if she were Jaharis himself born again, which was everyone's favorite king, right? Like, the yeah. realm loved him. Like, if he was reincarnated as Rhaenyra, it wouldn't matter if she steps over Aegon and, and actually takes the throne, the realm will tear itself apart. But but I don't I don't think we know if that is true. Like I think, but we, that's what but they that, that's what that's these guys what they believe. They truly believe. believe. And yeah, I'm with you there. So they had that conversation. Um, we move on to Alicent going or, or not really Alicent. I mean, yeah, Alicent coming to the king. Um. In their quarters, I guess they have different quarters. Like she moves into another wing of their yeah. bedroom, uh, where he keeps <clears throat> his model. I guess this is where the model is kept. You know, the bed's not here, but the model is. Yeah. Um. So he's asking about Rhaenyra, and he really doesn't. And the king says, basically, I don't care what Rhaenyra thinks. Well, for, first when she walks in, I wish I wish in my younger days I had seen this because this is the greatest line ever. She says, "How are you?" And he says, "The gods are punishing me for my indulgence." Oh yeah, that is which that is, is his funny. hangover. His hangover. And, that she's, he's got. and she does have a little banter with him, and she says, yeah. "At least the wine was good." You yeah, guys. it is. It is funny um, that the, yeah, the little banter they have, and it, it almost kind of concludes. And as much as like I want to. You know, the skeeviness of it and everything there of how young they are. You accept what this area is. And it does feel like he is treating her well. He is not a terrible king to the wives that he has. He's an honest, good-hearted man. Um, not fit to be a king, but but he's a good person. Like Like, all of these things move towards him of being... In my mind, a good person, just not a king, just not a king and and somewhat a, uh, you know, doing the best he can to be a father while being the king at the same time, which we all struggle with being fathers to our daughters. Uh, You have a son. We struggle. I have a son. The same struggle there, like to your kids. So I do like how it humanizes him and he's not what we've got in game of thrones of where like every royalty was just an asshole to everybody. Yeah. It does feel like he yeah. is a good person in general. Um, then they kind of talk about Rhaenyra that Rhaenyra, you know, it's not her choice. Um, but I'm sorry. Let me backtrack. She, she says he, she's hoping to discuss something and he's like, Rhaenyra, <laughs> like, come on. You really, um, He's like, I don't think she enjoyed Jason Lannister's company much. And it seems like he had that. She had this conversation with Alicent earlier because she says, I warned you that she wouldn't. So, so he's having these conversations with Alicent on like, I've got to find Rhaenyra a husband. Who should it be? And, and she's trying to help and guide him through all of this after she was just told she was going to be married. And I do like how Alicent is still trying to help her friend where the king says her wishes are irrelevant. And she says, I believe Rhaenyra will marry your grace, but it's got to be she has to feel it's her choice. She's got to believe it's her choice. 
to where I think she's trying to save her friend from the fate that she had of just being told where to go. Alicent is trying so hard to help her friend in the background, even though Renera is being, you know, a little bitch to her at the end yeah. of the day. Then she sees the note on the table. It's from, um, uh, Vaymond, uh, Valeron, which is basically Valerian. Valerian. The well, sea snake's brother. The sea snake's brother. She reads it on all accounts. It's basically, you know, they need help. They're asking for help. Plea for, another plea for help. And Allison makes the wisest comment that anyone has made in the three episodes that we have had the crab feeder. And she basically just says, let me ask you a different question. Throw your, bro- throw your brother and everybody else out of this. Is the realm better with the crab feeder alive or with the crab feeder dead? What's better for the realm? And that amount of just dumb, you know, you, you air quote, dumb logic makes the king decide that, okay, I need to send them help. I'm, I'm going to send help to them. And and help them. So we're getting help to the stepstones. There's another um kind of Renera and the king. I don't really I didn't really understand this scene here between the two of them. I gotta be honest, I didn't really know what was what they're trying to portray here. Well, I think she's just coming to see him, but he's in the middle of sending aid and he's very you know, now he gets to look at Rhaenyra, who won it, who has been saying the whole time, we need to go take care of this, send the dragon riders, like, let's let's just end this crap. And he he gets to say to her, I am sending aid to Damon. Yeah. Um, and then but they go then on he to wants her, He wants her actual opinion. Yeah, strengthen your own claim. So basically, this is where he's like, you have to get married. You have to sure up your line of succession, the line of succession, and make your own choice. Is basically what he tells her at the end of the day. Um, and he does say, I swear on your mother's memory, you have not been supplanted. You are the heir. I am not going to do this. And he does admit that he did waver for a time. He wavered for a time. That's where I go back to where I think since it wasn't the white stag, it, it shored up his belief that he made the right choice here. Now he's sending aid to his brother. We cut to the stepstones. Um, dude, these guys are getting beat up, man. They don't look good. They don't look good, man. Um, you see arrows hitting ships and the ships are just sinking. They're over here on the other side trying to figure out how to take these guys down. They're not leaving the caves. They have the high ground. Um, you still got the dragon flying around above the top. So Damon's still making his rounds with the dragon, but they're just three years of doing this. Damon's been, been burning them with dragon fire for three years and we're still in this fight. Yep. And, and they're arguing the, the whole little council here with the sea snake, his brother, his son, they're all arguing what should be done. And I find it interesting because the sea snake's son sticks up to his, against his own uncle and says, at least Damon is out there fighting. Correct. Damon's out there fighting. What have you done, uncle? And, and, and if, you wa- if you look at the scene, all of them look beaten. Coralus, 
looks beaten up. Like his armor has like sword marks and things like that. The only one that has no marks on is his uncle. His mm-hmm. uncle looks perfectly clean and nothing's happened. So his uncle's obviously not fighting and is just giving his opinion. And he stands up to his uncle. Damon rides in on the dragon lance after doing, you know, his sweep around and just kind of walks up. And it feels like he's just really disheveled. Like he's just like leaning back on the table, not really having a plan. And this, if, if there isn't a don't shoot the messenger moment in an episode, here's one right here. This messenger did not time showing up to Damon very well. Basically hands him the letter from the king telling him that he's sending him 10 ships and 2000 men and he hopes that Damon doesn't die. You know, that's the that's the gist of it. And Damon just hauls off and beats the living crap out of this messenger with his helmet. Damon did not want to hear that his brother was coming to bail him out. Did not. No, he was very angry about it. Which sets off kind of the the chain of events. Well, remember before, right before he landed, I I do want to point this out. They right before they landed, they were discussing a plan. So this is what I was getting at. I wanted to to do this and then back up because this surplanted the plan that Lenar Valorian kind of states in order to draw them out. And they say, we're not going to go with that plan. No one's crazy enough to do this. And he says, Damon is. So he's like, there's always Damon. Who is a fighter. And this messenger bringing this message and saying that the aid from his brother is coming, kicks off this chain of events that happen. So basically, Damon takes a rowboat across the sea by himself He's now you see home. all these ships burned are these the ships that the king had sent or are they just not there yet no I, they're not there yet because you got to think it, it took them an entire you know day or two to sail there last time now if he sent dragon riders but they only have one dragon which is renea's dragon so the only dragon rider he can send is her so well, they see, haven't gotten there yet. I, I will say this. I don't think that that's true. I, Ender, I actually think there's a lot of dragon riders. They're just not introducing them. Maybe. But what we know of today yeah. is there's one dragon rider. Well, two. Technically three, but his dragon's dead. The king, Renera, and Damon. Those are the only three dragon riders that we know of right now. Whether or not there's more, I don't know. And we'll kind of move through this and see, see what happens here. But those are the only three that we know of now. So I know they're not getting there fast. And no, these are not the ships from his brother. These are just the ships that have sunk during this battle. Gotcha. So he takes a rowboat out. And you get the, the um, second voiceover that we've ever gotten in Game of Thrones. Um, so you're hearing his brother reading the note like as he's writing it of the aid and that he doesn't want his brother to die and he hopes to see him again and he'll pray nightly to the gods for your safe return. So here's Damon rowing the boat across the, um, I guess 
channel that they have that they're fighting in to the flats by the caves. And Damon basically surrenders. surrenders. He's waving the white flag. He, he would rather surrender than have his brother help him. Like that is what we're seeing here in this, in the beginning of this scene. So the crab feeder comes out. I, he ain't buying it 100%. So he sends out his little minions and there Damon basically takes out a sword, unsheaths it, holds it above his head, kneels and is like, puts the white flag in, come get it. The dragon, the, the crab feeder has his arrow men on him and he kind of just keeps doing like these little nods to like all his people to come out of the caves Sends him over and they walk up, they walk up, nothing happens. And you can see the crab feeder continuing to look up. He's continuing to look in my mind for the dragon. Yeah. He's expecting this dragon to be somewhere, but no, they, they walks all the way up and Damon gives over his sword and he hands his sword over to this guy and the guy turns around. He's like, oh shit, I, I think I think we're done. The crab feeder kind of nods and then Damon becomes fucking Rambo. He I like mean, was a cross between Luke Skywalker and Rambo. I mean, he pulls out his knife, his dagger, stabs him, takes his sword back and just starts fucking slicing people to death. Outrunning arrows, Dodges, gets behind cover, runs out, kills some more people. I mean, the action sequence here was phenomenal. But at the end of the day, this is a suicide run he's making. Like, I'm watching this, and I remember watching this, and I'm like, no one's helping him. And this guy is like, you know what? Rather than my brother, like, like rather than my brother save me, I am going to kill all of these people. And kill this crab feeder by myself before my brother helps me. So help me gods. I am going to do this. Yeah. And man, he gets pretty damn close. But finally, the arrows from above hit him, knock him down. He takes two to the chest, one in the leg. And he finally like gets under this cover to where the arrows can't hit him. And... The crab feeders men do not want to come out here and fight Damon. Like he has to keep like nudging them. Like get the fuck out of the yeah. caves. <laughs> like come get this guy, please. There's like a hundred of you and one of him. What is wrong yeah, with you guys? But he keeps looking up for this dragon, man. He's looking for this dragon. And finally they all come out of the cave. They surround Damon. And like, I honestly, again, this was another part where I'm like, are we going to see the net first character dead? And I was like, I, I can't imagine it's Matt Smith. I can't imagine that they're going to let this guy die right here. And here comes his dragon, man. With kind of what we were saying about the dragon where I was earlier, was someone else riding him. And the dragon fire hits so hard, so hard that it flings Damon back. Like, I thought his own dragon was going to kill him here because of, like, how far he got thrown back. But the dragon burns down the circle that's around him. 
The other the other knights come in and they start fighting with the crab feeder and da- or no, the crab feeders men. Damon gets up and he's like, I almost felt like Damon didn't think they were gonna come. It kind of got that vibe the way he looked back at the all the armies. Yeah, and it almost was like, oh, they're here helping me. They followed. Like I don't think he felt like they were coming to his aid. Um, well, he's smart enough to read the room, and he knew, yes, the younger, the Sea Snake's son wanted to help him. The Sea Snake wanted to help him, but how much yeah. how much pull did the uncle have because he was starting a mutiny? Yes, yes. And then I think he knew that the the brother was going to come, but I don't think he knew, or the, yeah, his son was going to come, but I don't think he knew the whole army was going to be there. Because you would have to imagine, and, and we'll get into it, it's the son, Lenore... Um, Valerian that's riding the dragon. And I imagine the only reason he can ride the dragon is because he has Targaryen blood. Because his mother is a Targaryen. So he's technically half Targaryen, half sea snake at that time. So he can ride the dragon. And you'd have to imagine Damon had to like let the dragon know, hey, you're going to get a new new rider here. So it didn't just like burn him and, and kill him. Um, so then Damon decides to go after the crab feeder. Now, this is where I feel like you have an issue with the episode, correct? Yes. So I'll let you take it from here. I'm just disappointed because you see the crab feeder retreating into the cave and Damon sees him. So you're like, okay, Damon's going after him, which, which, you know, I, I even selfishly was like, okay, we've only got a couple of minutes probably left in this episode. What's going to happen. And then all of a sudden it, it has this pan over scene of, of all the people fighting. And then next thing you know, you see Damon walking out of the cave, dragging. He's literally sliced the crab feeder in half. And he's just dragging the body. And I was like. The top half of the body. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, are you kidding me? Like, so, we so, didn't but, get- but like, like what, what do you mean? Like, are you kidding? I, I thought it was an incredibly fitting end. No, because the crab feeder was this first major villain that we had. Right. And I don't care if Damon just goes in there and sees him. And the crab feeder's like. F it, I give up. And then we see Damon slice him in half. But to just have a cut scene, like there's nothing. There is no fight. There's no battle. There's no Damon cutting him in half. There's nothing. He just walks, like it just cuts. It's a skip the whole thing. Well, so I don't think you needed that. Like this is where we disagree. Are you kidding? We got a no. guy doing a girl doggy style and he's got to pause mid-sentence while Damon gives a toast, but we can't show Damon cutting this guy in half? No, well, so I, I get I get, I get, get your complaint, but I don't think the crab feeder was this amazing villain that everyone wanted him to be. I think the crab feeder was a pirate that was taking advantage of a position and wasn't really a fighter. This was just him trying well, to like steal I said, stuff. I don't care if, if you he just even wanted fights. to see someone get cut in half. Like, that's yeah. all you wanted. He was the big bad. Damon, mm-hmm. we should have got to see Damon cut him in half. I don't but know. We I think, I he think just the drags end was the body perfect. out and then boom, the credits. So, like, okay, fine. Add Damon slicing him in half and then he drags the body out. Okay, fine. Then, then you're happy. 
I don't think you need that. I think the pan scene of Damon dragging him out was perfect. I think the way that everyone reacted to how Damon went in there, covered in blood, pulled this guy out, solidified Damon as the ruler of of this army that he has constructed, that he went in there on a suicide run for the men and came out with what he was trying to do and won. It solidifies Damon's character here. Whether or not you got to see the guy get cut in half, I'm sure we'll get more people cut in half. You already saw Damon shove a knife up a, up a guy's butt. That, that should have been enough for you. Um, so I think that they, they were fine with just using the cutscene and having you see all of the intestines of the crab feeder get pulled out. And no. we do cut. That's the end. We cut with Damon. No, I do just have a quick question there. for you. I do have a quick question for you. I want to know your thoughts on this. You, cut, you go back to the end of the hunt. Everyone's feasting. They've killed the stag. And you see Rhaenyra come riding in, dragging the boar behind her, covered in blood, to where a lot of people are like, okay, she's a badass. She's almost solidifying herself as like, she's not afraid to get in the middle of the fight. We talked about that. But now you've got these guys, completely separate army, considered the you know the people that could pose a threat to the realm if they decided to want to have their own thing you've got damon dragging the crab feeder behind exactly. him exactly covered in blood and you get you get uh corliss looking right at him with the same kind of look that people were giving rainira of like oh like i think he's you the guy i 100 percent believe you have solidified these two as the ones that are going to end up being in some form of fight for who is the rightful heir of this kingdom. I think her father basically said, you know, I'm not going to surpass you. I'm not going to do this. You need to find someone to marry and do this. And I think Damon has now solidified himself with Corliss and the Valerian side of things. Also with a Targaryen himself who has a line to the crown that was denied, but has a line to it. And you're going to have these two battle it out and we're going to have to find out who's what at this point. So yeah, I do think we have that. I'm very interested to see what happens in the next episode and we're going to go ahead and end this. Um, please, please follow us, subscribe, uh, like us on YouTube. We'll have the, the video up on YouTube that you can watch. We also have it on Spotify, Apple, all of your major podcast areas that we can distribute to stitcher would being one of them. Thank you for listening. I know this goes long, but we really like to talk about this show and, and the things that we have. Let us in the comments. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know different things you would like us to talk about. Or if you'd like us to shorten up, go longer, more in depth, um, break, break it down into uh, different conversations. However you want, let us know in the comments. We'll adjust the podcast to what you would like. Again, thank you, everybody. I'm Ender. My co-host here, James. We are out. Have a great night.